fast, efficient, and affordable business-grade hosting solutions, domain registration, SSL certificates, and more. We also monitor and provide website security and update services, website builds, email hosting, amongst other sensational products. If you have a question about your web page or your presence on the internet in general, no job is too big or too small. Visit our website today, or better yet, contact us at blueoceanwebhosting.com.au and leave your website issues to us. Big ones, little ones, fiddly ones, powerful ones. The ones for the car or the truck, caravan, boat, mobility scooter, solar system. In fact, for any kind of battery, go straight to Battery Central Ipswich. They'll even help you when you know what you need to power but have no idea what'll do the job. Battery Central Ipswich, 280 Brisbane Street, West Ipswich, behind the yellow building. Expert advice, better batteries, best prices, every day. That's Battery Central Ipswich. Welcome to episode 759 of the Aussie Tech Heads. I'm Jason Oakley and this is Will Tompkinson. Hey, Will. Hey, mate. What's new in your neck of the woods, son? Um, well, they're predicting 450 mil of rain in three days. Nice. You've been looking forward ago. to that, right? Well, that was two days ago and so far we've had seven mil. <laughs> we just <laughs> got mean, rain all the time here. Half of the, half of the country's flooded, but we've had seven mil. <laughs> Sydney so, is, Central Coast is. We've had, like, constant but not heavy rain. Even Brisbane and Sunshine Coast, Gold Coast, they're all, they're all flooding to some degree. Yikes. Um, but it's just literally, it's getting to, like, it's leaving Brisbane. We're basically west of Brisbane. Yep. And it's literally, it's leaving Brisbane, and then it just goes... And around you. <laughs> it goes around us, Ambly, us... You know, Ipswich, and then sort of joins back together over Toowoomba. You got one of those dooms like in the Simpson movie over your town? Yeah, we really do. Unless there's hailstorm. I was going to say, unless there's a <laughs> super massive hailstorm that breaks the dome. <laughs> but we, yeah, we generally, within 10 k's in any direction, they could be getting 100 mil a day and we get three or four. Jeez. You know, it's so weird. How are you supposed to grow your crops in that kind of thing? Uh, well, I don't have that problem, so I don't know. I you don't have crops, you got no problem. I don't have crops. I have grass that won't stop growing. Does that count? Yeah. Oh, I'm <laughs> going to have to get into my back garden and pull up weeds. They're freaking huge now. I just haven't done anything for like three months. I just need to, just need to camber it. I got, I got really into it. <clears throat> Redid all the garden beds and put down... Um, the matting and then wood chips on it and watered them every couple of days and stuff. And then I was like, yep, that'll do. It's looking fine. Got yep. plants that are freaking huge, but I mostly put them in there because there are a lot of plants that have flowers that the bees like. And I've got the mm. native bees hive in my backyard. So oh, I yeah, put them there for them. 
Good job. Yeah, if I was doing like um, <clears throat> growing vegetables for myself, vegetables, what's that? Growing vegetables for <laughs> myself, then you go out there and you tend it and stuff. But if it gets eaten by snails, I had one thing out there. I can't even remember what it was now, broccoli or something. Whole thing got shredded, probably mm. snails or something. And then three weeks later, I went out, had a look, and it was twice as big with twice as many leaves that are this huge. <laughs> it's fine yeah. because that's what it's there for, the, the animals and insects and stuff, not for me. I got an avocado um, tree that when Cam was in um, pre-kindy, yep. daycare, um, they planted one. Oh, nice. Up, you know, strung it over the water and let the roots grow and stuff. Yep. And that was three years ago yeah something like that and the thing's like eight foot tall now oh. <laughs> so I will, actually looking at the day it's like it's it's on the front deck and i was yep. looking at the other day and i'm like it's actually touching the roof of the deck now so I'm like all right we might have to actually put that in the garden somewhere <laughs> when so. when my daughter was about six or something and we were up here staying at um, dad's place in a school holiday i went and got a grevillea from the um, shop and put it in there and that was like the one that she planted when she was little unfortunately where dad is there's lots of it's about this much dirt and grass and then that much black black um, sand and then rock so things like a pine tree that can put the roots down 60 million feet or something goes 80 feet in the air or something but this little one is struggling, but it's still there, and that's the main thing. It's sort of her dedication tree thing for Poppy. <laughs> Give it a uh, nice dose of fresh soil around it. And... Yeah. But, yeah. Should do no. I've still been thinking of maybe – I took out some gum nut trees and stuff that were just making a mess of the lawn. I was thinking maybe putting in some uh, pencil pines just around make it look a bit nice but not too high i don't want anything going over the house and then into the guttering and stuff so oh they will <laughs> well, i get ones that are like a meter tall maximum they don't grow any bigger yeah right <laughs> we got uh um miniature ponytails yep they're only supposed to be three foot tall these things are pushing 30 foot now wow <laughs> so yeah don't believe everything you read it's good. It's good for sales. Oh, it's yeah. not my fault that your your dirt is like supreme quality and made it grow big. Well, a friend of mine had these. Um, I can't remember what they're called. They're like a grey palm tree. They're a really weird mm-hmm. sort of thing. But apparently, they're super slow growing. Like they normally grow like a you know they normally grow like a centimeter every two or three years. Yep. They put these things in as couple of foot high um plants and then they went they rented the house out for like five years and they went away um on holidays and they come back and these things are like higher than the house <laughs> <laughs> they're like um these are supposed to be slow growing like, Your magic magic soil they should only be three foot high by now yeah not you know 15 foot high <laughs> um <laughs> Okay. Well, they are at the backside of Anala, which was literally was a medical dumping ground that they just put topsoil over the top of. So <laughs> Probably got a lot of good stuff down there. <laughs> Who knows what it's uncovered down just there. Just don't plant any orchards because you never know what's going to be in the fruit. Well, they don't let you. A lot of the areas through there are zoned 
commercial purely for that reason. They don't want people growing gardens in there. Yeah. Um, they'll get and so, sick. of course, it's the home of the hobby farmer. Like, literally every hobby farmer in Brisbane has a plot there. Oh. <laughs> there goes that idea. We'll just do vertical gardens. Because the ground's so cheap, so. Yeah. They, they all have gardens. I mean, they've all built the topsoil up, but there's only a clay pan. You know, there's only, I don't know how thick the clay was, but there's only a clay pan separating medical waste from you. <laughs> this is fine don't worry about it pretty much <laughs> oh, we've been getting stuck into our satisfactory that's quite fun building yeah, up um, um, big trucks that drive themselves made by the same guys that made um, Valheim and it's like literally the complete opposite of games yeah coffee stain Valheim, studios Valheim is um <laughs> Fully manualized, fully labor intensive. Uh, you know, everything you do, you have to do. You can't, you can't automate stuff. It's set pre-technology effectively. Like the most technology you have is like a furnace, and you have you to know. sit there feeding it, and then feed this over here wood into the coal furnace to make coal, and then feed that into your smeltery. Yeah. Uh, Whereas Satisfactory is like literally the exact opposite. Right from the start of the game, they want you to automate everything. We kind of didn't. We kind of held off a bit because, um, well, we'll I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) But we didn't build automated stuff straight away, but it has come back and hurt us later on because we're at a point now where we should be levels of magnitude above where we are in terms of automation. So now making stuff is horrendously slow because we've got to make the products to make the products to make the automation stuff to make the products we need to make to make the other things we've got to make and then we're like geez <laughs> i really wish i didn't put those conveyor belts and storage <laughs> things there because now i need that for something else let's take the whole lot down we'll move it, move it over there. 100 feet over there start again yeah well that's about about to happen like literally everything we've got i'm about to pick up and move and organize because it's just a twisted mess of conveyor belts and power ask, cables. Do we and... even have any deep enough water near the current hub to yeah. uh, connect a water pump to, to for a coal generator? Yeah, over behind the um, the limestone. Oh, right. yep. yeah. That little creek that runs past, it's got bees in it. Once you go around... Freaking bees! I hate them! The bees. <laughs> yeah, once that goes around the corner, it goes deeper. Alright. But yeah, it's... um it. It's a great game. It, it there's an, there's you just can't get an overhead view to plan things. As I said, that's the problem. There needs to be some sort of cartography, even if it's not a live map, even if it's a you know you because you can stand up on top of the lookout tower. Yep. But you're still only getting like a forty-five. Yeah. But if there's a way to get a, even if it wasn't a live view of what's happening now, even if it was just an updated view, you know, once a day or something, and updated the map so that you could see where things are because when you're at ground level and you're trying to place stuff down it's very hard to get orientations and directions and if you could just see from the top i mean a live view would be ideal but even if it wasn't even if you could just have a rough idea of where things are going it'd be a good a good start yeah so but with everything else in the game i'm sure you know they've got automated vehicles so i'm sure having a drone that could give you a top-down view wouldn't be that hard yeah both games are still in like early access so they've got a long way to go they really do. And then that's the neat part about them too. At least at this stage, when they're updating them, you don't have to restart the game every time. Yep. The updates are, will, will change. What's um, happening on they'll, they'll, the current game. Yeah. They'll go into place and they won't really affect 
the gameplay, like you wouldn't, it's sort of almost a seamless integration. So it's been really good so far. Yeah. Um, had a couple of weird odds and ends, but you seem to be having more issues than me. You've had a lot of fairly few crash. amount of crashes. Yeah, crash to desktop. Weird visual stuff. For doing nothing. just And yeah, a great big spike of rock sticking out of the ground out at this angle. It's not even on your screen and I can swim through it, so it's not yeah. there. And then you, you're hop, you're in the back of a truck and you're like, where are you? I'm like, I'm standing right behind you, behind the truck. <laughs> no, I hopped off that ages ago. But yeah. the weirdest thing is the server is on my land in my house. Yeah. I should have the least issues. And, and the funny thing is you seem to get caught with more spawn lag than I do. Yeah. How does that work <laughs> even? It's so bizarre. But there's a few of things like that they've got. To, and I mean that. They know, like it literally says that that when you log in to a multiplayer server, you will experience crashes and desync issues and problems that you don't get in single player. They they actually say that up front, so yep. it's not like they're trying to hide the fact that multiplayer is no good. No, no. Uh, it's just when you're doing um, so much complicated stuff all at the same time. Most games will simplify, like Minecraft. You know, if you've got a huge redstone contraption on the server. It, it obviously starts lagging the server. Whereas this game is designed to have huge amounts of graphically intense things all happening at the same time. So we got, we've got this game where you've got spaghetti um, conveyor belts all over the place, things mining, electricity going from here to there, and yeah. the computers have to keep all of this going. You don't have chunk loaders or anything like Minecraft, so everything is server-wide. Yeah. And you can run it fine on on your little computer, but yeah. Valheim, which doesn't automate anything, doesn't have conveyor belts everywhere and things moving or anything at all. Yeah, won't run on your computer. On my other, on my other computer, no, yeah. it's too it's too intense. Even though there's nothing it, happening, really. Other than when the occasional mob turns up, there's not really much going on. Yeah, it's so bizarre. And they're both made in Unity, as far as I can tell. So what what's the what? <laughs> Yeah, well, it's not like they're even a Java game, you no. know. So, I, I mean, it's, it's obviously it comes down to code efficiency. You know, I can't think because he did Valheim first and Satisfactory came later, I think. Well, they're two of, different guys, but they're both the being published thing, by Coffee Studios. Yeah, but I think they learned a lot. From the you other know, As every game they every game they build is slightly better than the one before it, you know. Yeah, yeah. So they're learning optimization and, and stuff like that as they go. And plus, that's the other thing too. Every time there is an update, often there will be optimization updates. Yeah. You know, um, it could be as simple as changing the distance at which mobs spawn away from you. Like instead of it being, you know, 100 meters, it could be 90 meters. And that could make a massive difference. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Game, you, know. you know, what's weird about this, me having this um, scissor connector on my microphone. What's that? When, if you move a little bit to your right, it looks like you've got a robot arm. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> it joints onto it. goes onto the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> yeah. I gave up on the scissor connections ages ago because I couldn't find one that wouldn't squeak. All the ones I had. were not too bad. Bump them. Yeah, it will. Give it time. <laughs> <laughs> it's attached to the table over there, which is separate, so it doesn't matter how much that moves. Mm. This table that I'm typing on and talking, I've got my camera and stuff is completely different, so I'm hoping that's good. 
Yeah, that'll help. But the other problem I had with mine too is all my spider cage um, rubber. Oh. And I couldn't find a replacement rubber that was the right length. Ah. So my spider cage is never... And once you lose your spider cage, obviously any vibration you have goes straight through your mic. That's the problem with this one. You know, it's a hard stand. So even though I do have it mounted on rubber to minimize... Like I've got to hit my desk pretty hard for it to go through it. But if I didn't have it on rubber... I sat it straight on my desk. Clunk. As soon as I touch my desk, yeah. it goes right through the microphone. <laughs> so just by putting a bit of rubber, actually, it's not even rubber. It's one of these silicon. Um, you can't see. All it. right. Yep. But it's one of those silicon dish mats. The rubberized silicon. That does it. <laughs> works well. Plus, it stops it from sliding as well because it's silicon. So. And cheap as. Yeah, a few cents. I was. I wanted to try it like this first before I <clears> decided if I needed a spider cage but because it's attached to that table which yeah. doesn't move then i don't really need it. it it's fine to get away with it yeah the, the, like if you had a pop filter a separate the screen filters instead of the the fluffy one yeah you'd probably need it as well because they you, you know you can bump the mic with those yeah i just got i got the screen <laughs> filter here but i had i made sure i got a fluffy one to go with it I think they work fine for the most part. You very rarely need a screen filter unless you... If you're doing high-volume stuff and a lot of screaming and and stuff like that, then, yeah, you need it, but... If you're recording um, Ren and Stimpy... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was talking to somebody about that the other day, actually. When I was at school, they wouldn't let us watch South Park or Simpsons because it was, you know, bad form, but they had no problem with us watching Ren and Stimpy. (laughs) Huh? How does that work? Uh. <laughs> I won't let my kid watch around in Stimpy. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Billy West must have had... Well, he did. He said on online that he had a really sore throat after oh. recording each show, screaming so at screaming himself in one voice and then screaming at himself in the other voice. <laughs> yeah, it's not an easy way of doing something. No. <laughs> so... We haven't well, heard I... much uh, news about Glenn this week, so haven't got anything to update, really. Well, I, nothing positive, anyway, yeah. Yeah. So he's still struggling, but... Uh, keeps sending in the messages, keeps him going. Yeah. And also, too, I had a message during the week from Ozzy. Um, can't think of his name now. Yep. He's left some messages on, on YouTube as well, um, asking if we're streaming at some point. And I said, well, hopefully... Yep. Um, biggest issue at the moment is daylight saving because by the time you finish your work and I get my stuff sorted, yep. <laughs> it's already way later and than it's it half past 10 here for me now, and I usually go to bed about 10 half past so <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, finish about half past 11 sometimes after midnight, depending on if we can find any darn things to talk oh, about. Yeah. Which is so, hopefully, once daylight saving finishes and we're back into some sort of regular. Like, and World War Three is finished, comrade, because every news story is Russia, 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 uh, crypto, Russia. So funny, you know. But, uh, yeah, so if, if, if they like, once they like, when is they like saving? End of next month. Mm. Yeah. So hopefully once that disappears, um, we'll get some form of better... I'll be in the proper time, time zone, right? Yeah. So we'll have time to set up a stream and... Because, I mean, even though you just, you know, it takes time to set all that stuff up on top of recording and everything as, as well. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, we might have time and get back to streaming. So, we'll get some live interaction from you guys. And we do appreciate our Patreons and Coffee Peoples. 
We pay, we definitely appreciate coffee. Yeah, I have. I couldn't survive. For coffee. <laughs> I wouldn't do this show if I hadn't had coffee that day. You wouldn't want to know. <laughs> but yeah, now we do. It helps a lot, guys. Um, uh, you know, as I said, if you are looking at doing a, a an inter, a website or you want email addresses and stuff, look at one of the higher tier um, Patreon packages because they include a website and they include emails and they include stuff like that. So. Um, it's a good way to kill two birds with one stone. You can help support us and you can um, help support yeah. Blue Ocean as well. So And see, see panels a piece of cake for anybody to manage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, unless you're unless you EC weird and apparently, you know, you can <laughs> do two options at a time. <laughs> uh... <laughs> well, they're not like the fastest growing, you know, online store program or something at the yeah. moment. You know? That's uh... Joomla for you. Just be happy we don't have Drew Powell. I'm still getting like 20 Joomla messages a day saying to update the There's server. another update came out. I just didn't want to do it in the middle of today because <laughs> I'm like, no, they, I, these I things have to go into maintenance mode to do an update. So it'll shut down the site, download the update, unpack it, install it, restart it. And all of that time your site is offline. So we don't want to do that in the middle of the day because then customers go, where website gone? Hello? Where website? Something like a streamline, a streamline solution to a problem. Yes, and also <laughs> don't update to Joomla version yeah. four. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's all fun and games, but um, yeah, no, we do do thank you guys for this continued support and it helps us out and makes things somewhat uh, affordable because we're we're not a monetized platform. So, but um, yeah. If you guys don't pay, nobody will. <laughs> not exactly. Google. Not nobody. No, no. And uh, I do want to say, I can't remember your names either. I had a couple of customers come in the other day who uh, listened to the show. Oh, nice. And um, Hi, everybody. Yeah, they come in and, and bought a couple of things for them. And I have a complete mental blank. I can't think of your name, but thanks to that, guys. That's helping us out, especially at the moment. That's so, your natural uh, state, good. isn't it? Mental blank. Mental blank. <laughs> That was my nickname in college. <laughs> That's the name of and my rock band. <laughs> I didn't even go to college and that was my nickname. <laughs> that might explain the thing. That was the reason you didn't go to college. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, well. That's and mine mine was Mental Breakdown. <laughs> it's like a rap name. Yo, yo, Metal Breakdown. Word. Coming at you. Ah! <laughs> Uh, should we do some news? <laughs> we haven't done anything else, right? So let's try that. <laughs> Antivirus vendor Norton LifeLock celebrated its second straight quarter of growth in excess of 10% for revenues, net income, and bookings. Vince Pellet, CEO of Norton LifeLock, noted that as the company's planned merger with Avast approaches, these results reinforce the idea that people more than ever need a partner to help them safely lead their digital lives. The CEO went on to say that the Avast merger will help Norton LifeLock to get started on accelerating our pace of innovation and expanding our global reach. Speaking of acceleration, North... This is North LifeLock. Somebody's got a typo. Norton LifeLock noted that it believes it will close the Avast merger earlier than its original mid-year window, which I didn't know they were doing that, but... Um, Everybody go to Panda because <laughs> do you well, want Norton yeah. on your system seriously and you're going to have to pay for it. 
well, it's mostly on the OEM, isn't it? Like, it's mostly all your Lenovo's and your stuff you buy. Yeah, I guess some people will go. Well, people who used to have a Vast won't be anymore because it's going to be built into Norton LifeLock now, I guess. <sighs> or you just run Linux. Yeah. I mean. No virus. <laughs> <laughs> the target closing date is now February twenty fourth, twenty twenty two. Today, it expects to formally confirm this in a separate announcement if the timeline does not change. The Q three of financials resulted in the security company honing its FY twenty twenty two guidance to include an expected annual revenue figure between two point seven nine and two point eight billion dollars, which would represent another ten percent year over year growth milestone for the entire fiscal year right at the top of the previously forecasted range. Norton LifeLock also predict earnings per share for financial year 2022 will reach $1.73 to $1.75, once again narrowing and moving its guidance towards the high side of previously announced $1.65 to $1.75. So, yes, I thought that was interesting mostly because I didn't know that they were merging, well, merging in rabbit years uh, AVG into them. No, I'm surprised because they've kind of been at each other for years. Like, yep. <laughs> AVG was at one stage everyone's go-to product. AVG and Avast. Sorry, Avast is what they're getting, not AVG. Yeah. Avast is becoming Norton Life Look. I haven't used Avast in years. It's been the last two or three years. It's been pretty buggy. That's why I went um, with Panda for all my stuff. Plus, it's a lot lighter on resources. Yeah. I mean, not that that's such an issue on modern computers, but... Um, I it mean, It wasn't my like, little EPC ASUS exactly. one that's about that big. <laughs> yeah, and laptops and older systems like my um, media center and, yep. you know, my NUX and stuff like that. It's handy to have. Um, I actually should look and see if it supports Linux. I haven't... Uh, I, honestly, I have... The funny thing is, on my main computer, yep. um, I haven't run a virus scanner in 10 years. Yep. <clears throat> I just don't, don't click on crap. <laughs> yeah, I just don't do stuff that. A lot of um, that. Linux users run Clam AV. Mm. I think that's a free one that um, is used on a lot of servers like, and stuff. I think AVG used to have a Linux variant anyway. All right. Um,. Is looking to see with Panda, does it support Android and Windows? That's it. I mean, technically, it would probably work because the new Windows emulation on Linux is insane, so it would probably work anyway, honestly. Yep, and um, Android stuff is going to become. Well, yeah, default Windows, yep. but I mean, it works under Linux anyway. Yep. Because I mean, well, it is. Realistically, it's, <laughs> it's just a version of Linux. Yep. But. Uh, yeah, I probably should look into running something, I guess. Although I've got, like you, I've got the um, the firewall. Yep. Um, what's it called? Like, on the incoming side. So you, it's got to get through that before it goes into my computer anyway. Yeah, and you're not going to click on links in emails at what you don't know anyway, so... No, but I was reading a thing today that there's a, they're relying a lot more on zero-click uh, virus installations via email in such that 
governments around the world are sending them to targeted people with their um, spear phishing attacks. And you don't have to open the email as soon as it appears in your inbox, bam, the virus starts installing. So be careful of that, people. This is why you probably would need some antivirus if you don't have this stuff, but people could just email you and they know what email programs, if there's a vulnerability in Outlook and they know being a business, chances are you're going to be running Outlook or Office 365 might have a vulnerability, they're going to target you with spear phishing. See, that's the neat part about Thunderbird. It doesn't load the email at all unless you allow it to. Right. If it doesn't, if you haven't previously interacted with that person, uh, it'll send you an email and it will show you the, it'll show you the header, it'll show you the subject, and it'll show you who it's from. Yep. And then you click allow to alert to actually load the text portion of the email, and then it has a, asks you again if you want to load the images. I don't know if you had it, but years ago <clears throat> I used to love this little program called Mailwasher. Mailwasher, yeah. That was great. I don't even know if it's still around, but Thunderbird does most of that stuff by default anyway. Yep. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I've used Thunderbird for years, so... It, and you can set that level, and then you can set it up again, so if there's attachments... So if there's embedded images, you say yes to approve those or no for those, and then again it asks you with attachments, would you like to load the attachments or not? So there's like literally four different levels of... How much and if they get through that, it's your own fault. <laughs> well, pretty much. You've allowed it at that point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but even then, it, it won't auto-load anything. Even if it is a an EXE file or a zip file, you then still have to physically go and open that in, open that up anyway. Yeah. And so... That's what you need. Um, the other reason I use Thunderbird is, especially now that I'm using Linux on the home computers, it ties in really well with the work computers, which are running Windows, but Thunderbird format doesn't change. It, were, it looks exactly the same on both of them, so you kind of get used to the way it works and performs, and uh-huh. you haven't got to worry about it. I did install um, Brave on here the other day. How'd that go? I had a lot of trouble with Brave when I had Windows. It was always really crashy and buggy, but on Linux, it's fantastic. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Ironically. <laughs> But yeah, I installed that the other day and I like it because I cannot for the life of me get um, Firefox to load. Well, that's weird. And I normally use Firefox because they had a built-in VPN. So if I wanted to do, um, use DuckDuckGo and use the VPN to get different search results from, depending on the country you search from. But I can't get it to work. So I load up Brave and Brave works perfectly fine. It's the same thing. It's got a built-in VPN. You can choose what country you want to be at. And oh, there you go. Nice. So, yeah. So, use Brave from now. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, Francis Ford Coppola. Um, you know, the guy who, like, produced George Lucas's first film. Yep. Um, he wants to self-finance a $120 million utopian film called Megaopolis. Ah. He produced science fiction film THX in 1138, th- George Lucas's first movie in 1971. 20 years later, 28 years later, he supervised the re-editing of the science film Supernova. But now, 82-year-old Francis Ford Coppola, who's also made second fortune in the wine business, has an even grander vision. GQ reports. 
It's a film called Megapolis, and Coppola has been trying to make it intermittently for more than 40 years. Wow. If, it, if I could summarize the plot for you in a concise way, it, I would, but I can't, because Coppola can't either. <laughs> Ask him. It's very simple, he'll say. The premise of Megapolis. Well, it's basically, I would ask you a question, first of all. Do you know much about Utopia? <laughs> the best I can do after literally hours of talking about it with him is this. It's a love story that's also a, philosoph- a philosophical investigation of the nature of man. It's set in New York, but a New York steeped in echoes of ancient Rome. Its scale and ambition are vast enough that Coppola has estimated it will cost $120 million to make. What he dreams about, he said, is creating something <clears throat> like It's a Wonderful Life, a movie everybody goes to see once a year forever, mm-hmm. on New Year's Eve, instead of taking talking about the fact that you're going to give up carbohydrates i'd like this one question to be discussed which is is the society we live in the only one available to us and discuss it mm-hmm. somehow megapolis will provoke will provoke exactly this discussion coppola hopes this coppola's plan he's going to take 120 million dollars of his own fortune at 82 years of age and make the damn movie himself <laughs> that's one way yeah. to get it done <laughs> The article describes the kind of personal movie that Coppola has wanted to make back when his studio had insisted that he instead direct The Godfather. This, of course, is the paradox of Coppola's career. For all of his success, he has to some extent been waiting to make his own films rather than someone else's films for practically his entire life. If you're going to make art, let it be personal. Let it be very personal to you. Megapolis remains in development for now. Uh, Coppola has not yet announced a production date. Because oh, that might be interesting, though. Yeah, it's an interesting concept, that's for sure. If anyone knows how to make a movie, it'll be him. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so He's fund, uh, financed a lot, hasn't he? Um, oh, he does all sorts of stuff, yeah. And he's also... Um, This is an older story, but it's kind of related. Film film director Ford Francis Coppola has appealed to the return of his computer backup device following a robbery in his house in Argentina. He told Argentina broadcaster Toto Nicola that he lost his 15 years worth of data, including writing and photography of his family. What even is the cloud? (laughs) We backed it up onto a device, so there's a start. But, (laughs) you know, the problem is... You need something off-site. So... But yeah, no, it'll be with him directing it and with him financing it. I mean, especially with him and you know, I'm uh, ILM and LucasArts films and, and all that are still in each other's pockets. Mm. You know, with Steven Spielberg and and that. So um, the special effects and everything are going to be absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll be it'll be interesting. Certainly will be. Intel has acquired Linutronics, the German-based Linux consultancy firm focused on embedded Linux and real-time computing. Intel's acquisition of Linutronics appears to be primarily focused as an acquire with getting Linutronics' very talented staff at Intel. Among the prominent Linutronics engineers is their CTO, Thomas Glicksnier, as a long-time kernel maintainer and important contributor on the x86 side, including with Linux's CPU security mitigations and perhaps most notably for the real-time preempt RT work. 
Intel's acquisition of Linatronics is great news for real-time kernel prospects. Back in 2020, getting preamped RT merged into the main line at Linux kernel was held up due to a lack of funding. Now with Linatronics being part of Intel, hopefully one of their first efforts will be getting the real-time patches upstreamed. Intel, in alerting to the announcement, was quick to reaffirm Linatronics' work on preempt RT. We've seen more preempt RT patches work their way upstream over the past year now, while under, Lint uh, under Intel will hopefully soon cross the finish line. Intel has publicly confirmed their Linatronics acquisition in a blog post. By acquiring Linatronics, we're deepening our long-standing relationship with a highly respected team of globally recognized Linux experts, according, uh, adding to the remarkable breadth and depth of Intel's hardware and software talent. Linatronics will continue to operate as an independent business within our software division, led by Edgar and Glaxner. I look forward to working together with the entire Linatronics team to unlock the opportunities in front of us as we pursue our common vision of a strong open ecosystem built on Linux. And if Microsoft keep going the way they are with Windows, we might very soon finally see the Linux on a desktop taking over stuff. Especially with the new designs of Linux that are so user-friendly and so plug-and-play. It just works. Even can you more, say more than that? more than Windows does. You, the thing is with Windows, it just works. But if you go to set up a new Windows, you still have to install your drivers. You still have to install update. You don't have to do anything with Linux. It goes, oh, you can do this. And this goes and gets it. Mm. Like, it's just... It's, and a lot of stuff can be installed without shutting down and restarting like Windows it's always It's only has. major kernel updates that you need to do a restart for. Everything else will just update in the background. Yep. Um, you know, I've had to restart this computer... How long have I had Linux on here now? Two months? Yep. I've probably had to restart it maybe twice for major core updates. Yep. You know, everything else just, it just updates. When you shut the program down, it updates it and it's ready for you to go next time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, with more people, you know, that's um, part of the reason Linux is supported so well supported on AMD is because AMD's had the provision there for proper drivers and mm. you know they've always open sourced their stuff so people can use it for uh, you know and now with steam and the steam deck <sighs> yeah exactly you know and so linux has always sort of been generally you've used you, you generally use amd and linux so they sort of go hand in hand because that's the way they're designed to work yeah but now the you know the intel drivers are coming on board and the all these Come what, on, what, NVIDIA, what, you can do it. Yeah, what once were <laughs> lockdown drivers and now becoming a little bit more, you know, open source. So, which also explains why AMD's current market cap is 188 and Intel's 182 billion. Yeah. <laughs> AMD's actually surpassed Intel for the first time in since like. Intel's playing catch up. They're like, we just aqua hire everybody until we catch up. Well, plus AMD just bought the spent thirty five billion on um, on uh, Zilnix as well. There you go, Zilnix. X X X. Yeah, X I. Zilnix. X I L N X. All right. Yeah. X I L. Yeah. X no. X X L I. X I L I N X. Yeah. Zilnix or something like that. Yeah, they just they just bought them last week. You know, the sales have gone sixty-eight 
has has risen 68 percent to 117 percent in 2021 you know they've had they've had 31 percent revenue growth the profit margins have gone up 51 percent so like amd is just on a upward spiral at the moment yep um you know i think that the potential transitioning to linux has got a lot to do with it and as you said like if windows does this stupid thing where it's going to suddenly go hey you need to be connected to the internet at all times to use this and mandatory login with the microsoft account online yeah well, bad you won't have local that. accounts they won't let you do that anymore it's bad enough they're doing that with bloody uh, minecraft yep gonna do it with everything people are just gonna go well stuff it but maybe i go. should look into this linux thing finally <laughs> Um, but they're going to like for corporate rollouts and for, you know, test beds and for, um, you know, bespoke PCs and no, this is going to be horrendous. Well, like when I buy my PCs from PLE in Melbourne, they run it constantly through a test, memory test, hard drive test, graphics test, and just leave it running for, you know, hours or overnight and stuff. You're going to have to log in with all their details, build it with that, and then log out and... Well, no, what will have to happen is that you'll either have to... If you don't have a Microsoft account, they'll have to create one. Yep. But if you do have a Microsoft account, you'll have to give them your password. And that I don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's like... and But this is the thing. Like, if you're doing bulk rollouts, yeah. what we'd normally do in that situation is we'd install them once because if you're doing a corporate install or a bulk install... It's generally all the same hardware. Yep. So you do an install on one computer, then you ghost that install to all the other drives and then fire all the computers up and they finish the install. Yep. But if they all have to be online, you can't bog 100 computers at the same time. It's going to kill your internet for one thing. And you simply just... I mean, that means that every computer that you install, unless they allow multiple computers per account, which no Microsoft, they probably won't, because it'll be, you know, you, you know, every computer will have to have its own account. So suddenly this corporation's going to have 7,000 email accounts. Yay, and passwords. Password yeah. zero one exactly. exclamation mark. And then that's what they're going to do to make life easy for them. And then suddenly they're going to have a breach and every account's going to be compromised because they've used the same password on every account. <laughs> So just a big bit for all the good things that Microsoft are getting people like, yeah, you got WSL, you got this, you got that. And they're like, but now we're going to do this other stuff that you're going to hate. Yeah. How about you just do the good stuff and not the hate stuff? I don't get it. I don't understand. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Like, they go, hey, let's, we, you know, we can run, you can run Android and Linux apps natively now. You know, all the open source in the world, as long as you provide all your details to us. <laughs> huh? Uh, that's not what they want <laughs> so yeah I don't know but um, Bethesda is to retire its game launcher and oh. migrating its titles over to Steam yay so traditionally uh, some it's kind of weird because some stuff was already there some of the fallouts and some of the Bethesda games were already on Steam but the launcher was around um, from around 2016 and it was more of their older games that were around. Like it, it supported a lot of the older stuff that wasn't on Steam. But Bethesda on Tuesday announced it'll retire its Bethesda.net launcher, which I have to admit it was a horrible launcher anyway. 
um, and it'll migrate fans, games, libraries, and wallets to Steam. As Polygon notes, the launchers has been around since 2016 to serve for a place for players to purchase and launch games by the publisher. Uh, players with Resident accounts will remain active. Some games are still required to log in or to save files. Yeah, well, see, they will because the older games you still had to log into and they, you can't change where they're looking for their tokens. Like, they're going to be going to a particular place. So, kind of makes sense. They're going to have to keep it active anyway. Um... While the process to transfer Bethesda games to Steam begins in early April, the launcher itself will be no longer launch games in May. Players will retain access to these games and can migrate them at any time. They simply won't be playable through the launcher. So, play, saves, cosmetics, in-game currencies and progress in Fallout 76 seasonal mode will all be available to transfer over to Steam as well, with one exception. Um, saves in Wolfenstein, Youngblood, which are currently unable to transfer. Uh-huh. Really? Out of all the games, that's the one they're having issues with? <laughs> yeah. Just be so thankful that's... they're not going to the Epic Games or the Origin game launches. Well, Bethesda's new post includes a more thorough FAQ, including a specific one for Fallout 76. As for the publishers, other large live service games, the post states the Elder Scrolls Online is unaffected by this change. Uh-huh. So, I mean... It's the whole, you know, <laughs> I get it. It's streamlined, it's efficiency, but it's all your eggs in one basket sort of deal. I mean, the problem with Steam, the the one issue I have with Steam is you have to be online to play a game. Mm. You can't launch. As far as I'm concerned, if the client's authorized because it's logged in the first time you load it and it's authorized with that computer because it knows what computer it's on. Yeah. And the games you've currently got installed are linked to that Steam account. They should all be able player. to run offline. Um, most of the games with the exception of a handful of them but almost all of the games either don't work online anyway or comp- or are playable completely separately offline anyway yep. but if you don't have an internet connection you can't launch them no, they all go piracy will run rife if we let you launch it offline yeah <sighs> and it's just like it's so dumb that that's a thing because Especially if you're, you know, you're traveling and you've got games on your laptop and you pull up in a hotel room, the last thing you want to have to do is try and figure out either tether to your phone or get onto the Wi-Fi or something. Just, just play people who've got game. a cabin in the woods with no internet. Yeah, or people who have, you know, a gig a month or something like that. Cause or people in Australia where there's often no internet, no matter what you do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so it's that, you know, and the, the same thing. Like, look at what happened years ago with when the ipod the whole you know ipod to iphone to what was the come what they called their own protocol they had their own protocol for for stuff that you know you could only you had to be connected to the net because it had to authorize that song before it would play that song because it had to make sure it was actually part of your oh yeah all the drm encrypt your, yeah your drm stuff was legit on that song otherwise it wouldn't play it and then they started having issues so they closed all their DRM servers down and then everybody who had music couldn't listen to it on those devices because those devices still want to authenticate it even though there was no longer a DRM server (laughs) so your only option was to actually go and download all the songs that you owned iTunes that's it you had to physically go in and download all the songs onto iTunes client 
and then load them onto your devices in MP3 rather than through iTunes because iTunes, even though was Apple product and all the things were from Apple and they're all approved, once they closed the DRM servers, iTunes didn't work anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so, you know, this whole putting everything in one spot, I'm, I'm not a big fan of. No. Um, I like the way Good All Games do it, GOG. They do have a GOG launcher where you can install stuff through the launcher and, and play it. But every single one of those games, one, will play offline. And two, if you don't want to install the launcher, they'll just install like they used to back in the day. Yep. You, know, you see directory. directory you know? <laughs> and you can launch them out of the games directory. The only thing the launcher does is on some games it will automatically tie in uh, DOSBox or something that's special required to launch yep. the game. It'll automatically do it. Whereas if you do it manually, you'll have to make up a batch file that loads in, you know, but... It, it doesn't matter. It works fine with or without. It doesn't make any difference. Yeah. You know? And that's the dumb part about the Steam launcher. All the games are installed on your computer. The EXE file is still sitting in the Steam directory. And you can click it from there and you can launch it. But it will launch the Steam program first before it launches the program, even though you've launched the program and not Steam. Yeah. <laughs> so they've actually... Integrated them. They've actually, yeah, they've actually had to modify the, the game file to tell it to pull up the Steam client first before it loads the game. Which is just rude. <laughs> In case you haven't noticed, kids these days just do not know how to moderate their screen time. So, in a desperate bid to get his children... most of their parents. You know, <laughs> so in a desperate bid to get his children offline, some guy in France apparently blitzed his entire town's internet connection by accident, that is. By accident, yeah. He now faces up to six months in prison for the outage. A report from the outlet France Blue says the unnamed dad tried to use a multi-wave band jammer to temporarily, temporarily cut off internet connection <laughs> in his residence in the town of Massange. Jammers, which are illegal in France and also in the US, work by interfering with telecommunications system signals, thus stifling connections. Despite their illegality, people still get arrested for using them pretty much all the time. In this case, the dad in question deployed the device in the hopes of prying his social media addicted children away from the grips of their devices. When later questioned by the government official, the man apparently admitted he only wanted to cut off the internet connectivity to his house at night between the hours of midnight and 3am, probably so his kids would put the phone down and just go to bed already. Unfortunately for the father, the jamming device was powerful enough to cut connectivity not just to his own residence, but unbeknownst to him to those of many, many others in the surrounding area. How powerful was this thing? <laughs> his neighbours eventually started reporting their outages, after which the government was forced to investigate. The man <laughs> now faces up to six months in jail and a fine of €30,000, and there's got to be an easier way to unplug than this, folks. How about turn the router off? I can think of hundreds of ways <laughs> that don't involve taking out the entire city. I guess if he turns the router <laughs> off, then it just switches over to 3G and they just keep gramming away. I have to admit, it's a pretty impressive accident. Like, costly. <laughs> too. People have to try to cause that amount of carnage. He did it by accident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, I, I do get it. Like, you know, it's. Um, you can put. You always just say, like, you can turn the Wi Fi off, but the, well, you just don't. You, just, you can do the same on phones, though. You can install apps on phones that. They all come with parental controls. You just well, don't know how to do them. 
Yeah, the one that Son, uh, that we've got on Bub's tablet, sends a message to me or Son, like if he wants to install a new game or if he's been playing for more than, you know, half an hour and wants to play longer, he can go, you know, ask permission that sends us a message and we get to authorise whether or not yep. that happens. And you know, so there's, there's plenty of options. It's And also cheaper. I mean, how much must he have spent on that thing? <laughs> not including the fine and whatever else he's going to yeah. get just for the device itself. <laughs> no? Dear, dear. Well, he's not going to do that again, is he? Well. But, but <laughs> I mean, task successful, right? The kids couldn't use the internet. So. What did they say? They failed successfully. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of failures, a couple Me? of weeks ago, oh. the uh, was it US government? Somebody told Tesla to uh, turn off their fart sounds in their cars, which is just rude because that was like, you know, one of the main things you do when you're sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> so, I do it without extra electronics. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, right, I don't know the sound effects. So um, Tesla has devised a team of, so- of software engineers to work on video games uh, in Seattle, and they recently started building a similar team in Austin. The automaker has been building video game platforms called Tesla Arcade inside its vehicles for many years, and has been working with video game studios to port games to it. Right now, it's mainly ready to create some added value to its ownership experience. But Tesla might have bigger plans for gaming inside its vehicles. In preparation for that, the automaker has been releasing more video games in its Tesla Arcade and has indicated that it might turn into a business. Uh-huh. Now, Musk announced on Twitter uh, today that Tesla is working to make Steam's library of games work directly on Tesla software instead of porting specific games. We're working through the general chaos of making Steam games work on Tesla versus specific titles. Former is obviously where we should be long-term. And Twitter thread Mark uh, Musk uh, reiterated his goal to make Cyberpunk a demanding game graphics-wise work on the upcoming Cybertruck. <laughs> so, Yo, dog, we heard you like cyber, so we put <laughs> some cyber in your cyber so you can cyber while you're cyber. So, I mean... Yeah, it's no secret that his, you know, their their hardware has been getting more and more powerful with each iteration as well. Because apart from the fact that it can play games, it does have a heavy workload. It's constantly, you know, I can't remember. There's eight or ten cameras. It's recording. It's doing GPS tracking. It's doing all the uh, lane monitoring and the vehicle monitoring and the accident avoidance stuff. And it's doing all the electronic stuff with the batteries and trash control and the motors and especially in the new one the steering wheel isn't actually connected to the vehicle. It's all done electronically with the pedals and nothing's physically connected. It's all going through the computer system. So the computer systems are getting really beefy in these things. So I guess realistically, all he's got to do is add a decent graphics card to them because they, that they haven't, whilst they've had a decent size screen in them, they haven't had a huge graphics card because they've only really been displaying maps and, you know, they have been playing arcade games, but they're lower res, older style games that don't need a huge amount of waka, processing waka, power. Waka, waka, waka. <clears throat> yeah, or snakes or, um, you know, stuff like snakes that. Snakes in a plane. <sighs> snakes in a Tesla. Um, and, yeah, displaying maps, displaying where your charge locations are, watching movies, that sort of stuff, which aren't super graphically intense. But they've had to do all that on top of all the other programs they've been doing. So... To put a decent quality graphics card in, they've already got everything else there. They've already got high-res monitors. They've already got Bluetooth support for um, like PlayStation controllers or Xbox controllers. 
they've already got that stuff there. So really, and they're running Linux as the back end anyway. So I can't really see it being that much of a jump. Except to, where do you get graphics cards from these days? Uh, the chip shortage is over. Um, a few weeks ago, they kind of started rolling back into production. Cheaper graphics cards too, and the NVIDIA 4090 should be out. Well, I think part of that is the because cards were getting so expensive, mining rigs were selling graphics cards because they were going to buy the dedicated headless ones because they were obviously designed specifically for that. Yeah. Um, so I think there was suddenly a glut of really high-end graphics cards, ex-mining cards. And so they kind of artificially deflated the price. And right as that happened, chip shortage was declared over. So they kind of tanked the market with their own product. <laughs> so I don't think, um, yeah, prices have come down. Like you, oh, well, for the, for most of the cards, there are still some that are, I can't remember what it is. Linus Tech Tips had a new one the other day and it's all, it's a massive thing and it's gold plated and <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like a ten thousand dollar card or something. Yep. So apparently there are still some expensive ones, but uh, yeah, and I mean, you know, I think it'd be, it'd be good. Like it, well, Linux. I mean, as I said, like, I'm running Linux down. There hasn't been a game that I can't play uh, through the through the emulation software that Steam's got built in now. It doesn't even use Wine anymore. Yep. It's own emulation software built into Steam. Uh, and for the most part, most of the games play better on here than they did on Windows. So, win-win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. So I can. Um, and the newer, I think it's the. Is it the Tesla Five or whatever has the rear entertainment screen that drops down? All oh, right. Yeah. So the passengers in the back can be sitting there playing, you know, Steam games. <laughs> oh yeah, one of them when I win the Powerball tonight. <laughs> yes. I can think of better things to spend 150 grand on. <laughs> Don't get me wrong; I'd absolutely love a Tesla, but I refuse to pay that sort of money for one. Um, there's so many more things that come first to me, <laughs> you know. So, I mean, and I get it. The more people who buy them, the cheaper they're going to become. Yeah. Once they become, especially now that they've got the the Chinese factory up and running and the Indian factory, they're about to start building. Yeah. Um, Factories everywhere. So they're getting more and more prolific, and like anything, the more of something there is, the cheaper they become. If if they make all of these batteries more than anyone else, they'll probably become like a battery central or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know they were talking about going into the old, um, the old Ford building in um, in Geelong. Oh, okay. That'd be good. Um, so we'll see what happens there, but. The last impression I got was, of course, the government's trying to screw them over for everything they're worth, you know. Yeah, we don't want manufacturing here, thanks. Yeah. Get rid of that. So we'll see what happens there, but that'll be, I mean, if that happens, that's going to be a giant boon. Yep. Daniel or? I was going to say Davey, but that's Crocker. (laughs) That's a Crocker. (laughs) Bow. Thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Head Show. We can be found at Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Patreon, and Coffee. Email us, Will or Warlock, at aussietechheads.com.au and go to aussietechradio.com. 24-7 playback of tech-related shows. See you next time. Bye.